So our next panel, our, our current panel, is going to uh, tackle one of the most critical topics of the industry. Uh, it's about shipping and the environment. There is so much discussion about uh, environmental compliance, so many options. Um, it has such a transformational impact on shipping. So it's one of the most uh, critical topics of the industry. And again, the idea of this forum is to pay tribute to Greek shipping, but not only in terms of dominance through the ownership that Greek uh, ship owners have uh, in the industry, but also as thought leaders with positions and ideas and insight on critical industry topics. So I'm absolutely uh, humbled to have with us today such a top-level panel. Theodos Stamatelos uh, is going to moderate this uh, expert panel, and I would like to welcome Semiramis, uh, Polis, Dimitris, and Harry. Uh, we couldn't have a better panel composition, so thank you very much. Theodosi, you take over, and uh, I look forward to a great uh, discussion, and thank you again. Thank you very much, uh, Nicola. Dimitri, yeah. and Thank you, Nicola. It is, it is correct to say that uh, our industry has been uh, through a compliance marathon with a series of environmental regulations ranging, ranging from ballast water treatment, low sulfur fuel, greenhouse emissions, just to mention the last ones, because it, the, the environmental sensitivity of uh, shipping is not something that appeared lately. It has been there forever. With the transition to low sulfur fuels now part of history, sort of, Pressure is now mounting to move, to move maritime decarbonization efforts to action. And for those wanting to, to invest in tonnage, there are many scenarios and no single truth. So the years ahead will require insight, information, confidence, confidence about technology pricing, uh, land infrastructure, availability of uh, future fuels. And uh, as Master Yoda would phrase it, Big, de big decisions ahead there are. So today to discuss this topic, uh, I'm joined uh, with, uh, from an esteem, with an esteemed panel, by an esteemed panel. Uh, thank you very much to Mrs. Emira Mispaliu, Deputy CEO of Diana Sipic and President of Helmepa. Mm -hmm. Mr. Dimitris Fafalios, CEO of Fafalios Sipping and President of Fider Cargo. Mr. Polis Hadzioanu, CEO of Save Barkers and Mr. Harry Vafias, CEO of Stelkas. And uh, I would like to, to start, uh, Mr. Vafias, uh, with you and ask you how do you view, in general, the, these challenges ahead? And do you sense, basically two things, do you sense any uh, resistance to decarbonizations? And from the other side, from where do you feel mostly the, the pressure coming uh, for this change? Mr. Vafias? Thank you for the, for the honor to start the session. Uh, owners, as always, are the group that gets attacked first when uh, people uh, or politicians want to, prog to progress to a greener uh, future. Uh, many people forget that we are buying a finished product. We are not the designers, we are not the builders, we don't have a connection with the engine makers. We just buy a finished product and we have to try and make money from this finished product. Uh, so we see now the last few years this discussion about the 
decarbonization, which of course we are in favor of it, but we haven't seen yet any clear path uh, or any definite um, decision which way to take in order to get to the result that the politicians and the environmentalists want. We hear a lot of different ideas, but what, what are we gonna do? We didn't see, we don't see any clear instruction or message to the shipyards or to the engine makers. They just tell us you have to reach this level by 2050. And in the meantime, we are left uh, in the dark. As you know, and we will discuss later, there are various ways that uh, we are thinking of doing to get there. Um, hydrogen, ammonia, batteries is a smaller option, uh, alcohol and other, other ways. But all these options have positives and negatives. Uh, in the meantime, we see pressure from the charters, pressure from the bankers to start thinking with the greener um, mentality. But we didn't see any official uh, instruction to the yards to stop taking orders for conventional uh, engines and conventional fuels. So people that want to renew their fleet or want to make an investment are now in a very difficult situation because they don't know what to do. Even dual fuel ships are not considered a viable way forward. So what will happen to somebody that has ordered a dual fuel LNG or LPG vessel in the last uh, year? Who will pay for that ship to, to, to be written down? It's a very, very dangerous uh, situation. So we are taking a wait and see approach. We're always open for uh, investigation and discussion, but there must be a clear way forward. And we are not the scientists, we are not the inventors, we are not the engine makers. These are the ones that have to come and say the most viable and easy solution is, for example, hydrogen or ammonia or whatever they choose, uh, they choose the energy to be. So I think Mr. Vasquezo, despite the fact that uh, the road is not very clear, your message has been clear that there is no uh, let's say resistance to decarbonizations, but there is an indirect, uh, if I understand correctly your point, there is an indirect uh, resistance because of the uncertainty involved and uh, the, the vague uh, atmosphere on how to, to go there. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned technology and who will pay. Uh, and if, if, we, if, if I keep this, uh, who will pay? Uh, could I ask uh, Mr. Hadjioanu uh, to, uh, to refer to another part of payment who has to do with carbon and emission taxes? And uh, we have various proposal, uh, proposals, Mr. Hadjioanu, from EU Commission. We have the Trafigura carbon levy and, and charters levy. Uh, we have different discussions. And uh, do you think that uh, we are all the stakeholders are sufficiently engaged uh, on that front and on uh, the, the taxes involved with the, the, the emissions uh, uh, scenarios and atmosphere. Yes, I think uh, everything is happening very fast. And uh, I don't know if it is uh, the appropriate time during this pandemic to try 
try and do things in a rush when the industry is not really involved on the subjects, on the subject. And we hear a few voices left and right, and mainly from people that will not face the bill of what should be done and how should be done. And the owners have not sit down to collectively discuss the issues and take some approach that is realistic and, uh, and uh, cost-wise could be effective. We are hearing some uh, studies saying that uh, it will cost, the program will cost uh, uh, $2 on the, on the fuel, on the fuel uh, uh, stems. A charge of $2 will be enough to create the research for, for, the, for the new fuels. We hear then another scheme for that uh, $5 billion will be enough. We hear from a charterer uh, that uh, there would be a levy of uh, $250 per ton, which, if my mathematics are right, is uh, $200 billion required. Nobody knows what uh, will be required and, uh, and uh, mostly who will, uh, who will pay for it. And I think the timing of uh, this discussion and everything being done in a rush at the time when owners cannot travel, cannot visit uh, engine makers, cannot visit shipyards, cannot even access our own ships. Uh, we cannot see our crew, we cannot, our superintendents cannot go to the shipyards. You know, everything is happening in a, in a rush at a time that every, everyone is caught off guard. And I think decisions, wrong decisions will be made. Owners, owners, are always trying to be uh, friendly to the environment because we are living from this job. We don't want to destroy the planet with what we are doing. And we are doing our part uh, the best way we can. But I think it's the wrong, completely the wrong timing in 2020 when we are bracing ourselves for a second round of a COVID crisis. To be discussing, to be discussing for for which which scheme will apply and which scheme will not apply. I'm afraid that whatever is done will be done behind owners' uh, backs, and I don't know who will face the bill at the end. So, so I, this is a very valid uh, subject on the discussion, and uh, I, I sense not only. Uh, from what you have just said, Mr. Hadjian, but in general, there is a feeling that these discussions should somehow, uh, I wouldn't say definitely not postponed, but there are a lot of people that refer to, to more time, uh, as you said, especially in the environment that uh, we are now experiencing, so that uh, not to delay things, but to be able to take the correct decision, as you have just uh, mentioned. And talking about... Uh, uh, discussions and, and decision, Mr. Fafalios, uh, very recently on the 7th of October, the Chicago Charter was launched with a goal to align the Charter's maritime activities to be environmentally responsible. And uh, if I'm correct, the container sector already has a clean cargo working group. And in general, we are seeing, uh, uh, we are seeing both sector market initiatives, but also regional regulation. So I would like to, uh, to get your, your, your view on this um, uh, 
sector initiatives and regional initiatives, and would this be to the to the positive or will distract the way uh, we would like to move forward? Theodosi, thank you. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Warm greetings to my fellow panelists and many thanks to uh, Capital Inc. Uh, all initiatives are welcome as long as they are practical, implementable, and global. Global means applying these through the IMO, otherwise we're going to have trade wars, distortions of trades, carbon leakage, and possibly the end of transshipments in many current ports and locations. Recent initiatives claim that a group of the world's largest energy, agricultural, mining, and commodity trading companies will for the first time assess and disclose the climate alignment of their shipping activities. But what does this actually mean? Do they understand their responsibilities or will they continue fixing less energy efficient tonnage during times of high freight rates? How many times have charters fixed uh, uh, E and F rated tonnage when the, when the freight rates go up? We talk about transparency. We already have the data collection at IMO. Uh, uh, and um, then we talk about a bunker levy, which I think has been uh, intimated by uh, Trafigura. ICS and the Roundtable of Shipping Organizations have already developed detailed plans about this, but many flag states at IMO do not support this concept, which most of the shipping industry has already embraced. It's nothing new what's being pr proposed by uh, charters. And press releases are fine, but a, and a conglomeration of serious charters is encouraging. But when push comes to shove, how will they react? Together, individually, we have to see this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dimitri. Uh, having discussed about uh, having answered some questions on technology and uh, taxes, uh, I, I cannot, I can, I, I need to, to refer to, uh, to the general sustainability questions and uh, ask uh, Mrs. Payou, uh, besides the, the changes to be undertaken by shipping and uh, within that greater uh, picture, what would be the need from the wider society in order for this effort to be finally effective? Do not, we should not be forgetting that uh, shipping is only part of the picture and uh, in accordance with some discussions, not the largest part of the picture. So do we need a, a general cultural shift in order to achieve what we need to achieve? Do we need um, an intervention in in education or what we would call education in, in general when we refer to, to culture. And how do you see this from, uh, from this perspective? Um, thank you, Theodosi. Uh, yes, you are correct. I think uh, shipping is part of the sustainability effort. Uh, let's not forget that uh, more than 90% of the world trade is transported on ships. It emits uh, just over 2% of the global greenhouse gas emissions. 
This makes it currently probably the most efficient, cost-effective, and least pollutant way of transporting and mass uh, raw materials and goods from uh, around the world. So um, it is uh, part of shipping is part of the vital uh, is vital for the world economy. Uh, as you said, and as we've discussed, efforts are being constantly made in order to reduce the carbon footprint of the maritime industry and uh, shipping is committed to embrace the concept of sustainability. What do we mean by that? Basically making sure that the business remains viable in the future without, however, compromising the ability of the future generations to meet their own needs. We're talking about providing a better environment, a more equal and fair society, an opportunity uh, for a more transparent economy. In order to do this and to be achieved, we do need the support of the wider society. It's uh, paramount. It is important for the society to understand and embrace this new way of thinking. We are moving from a customer society to a more conserver society. It's a new con concept. And this shift will take time to penetrate through. So this is where education plays a very important role. It is always through education that ideas are formulated, are challenged, knowledge, skills, values are shared within communities, nations, countries. It's passed from one generation to another, from young to not so young. So education is valuable for achieving environmental and ethical uh, awareness. Uh, achieving values and attitudes, skills and behaviors which are consistent with this sustainable development approach. So the critical role of education has also been reconfirmed in the formulation of the 17 goals of the IMO sustainability development goals. So um, summing up, yes, I think uh, the role of education is very critical. Thank you. It, it is indeed something that we should never forget. The way uh, we we educate ourselves and the community and the, and the young generation, it's uh, the only the only method that we can be certain for for the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever we do, we should not only I would say both educate and communicate what we do and what we wish to achieve. Don't don't act in isolation, uh, which doesn't. Uh, benefit anyone. Dimitri, um, allow me to, to touch now on something I, I know uh, you are always keen to discuss. Uh, and starting from um, the fact that IMO has uh, held uh, within October, two weeks ago, a second informal meeting to discuss the proposed short-term measures to reduce the carbon intensity by 2030. And uh, we have seen that, uh, for example, every pre-EDI phase two or three ship will need to take actions uh, to comply with an energy efficiency for existing uh, ships, an index for existing ships, and remedial uh, reductions for, for this index uh, may be applied in the future to underperforming uh, ships as a capex penalty. Um, so I would like to ask you, what is your feeling on the changes on the landscape for existing vessels and uh, how this will be reflected also on the consumer side and, and, the, and the society. Thank you, Theodosi. Uh, I will address this question uh, from the perspective of the bulk uh, tram sector, if you don't mind. And um, 
uh, EEXI, which has been developed or which is being discussed at the moment uh, at IMO for existing vessels, will bring about power limitations which are already familiar to many bulk carrier owners and operators who manage vessels either with large main engines or poor hull and propeller combinations on their vessels, the, essentially for the right ship environmental rating. The engine power is going to be technically limited, but uh, vessels will be able to override this limiter in extreme situations where the safety of the vessel may be compromised. At Intercargo, we have passed many existing vessels through the proposed EEXI calculation. And overall, the results are encouraging. Service street speeds will drop, and especially in the ballast leg, uh, where a time charter or an owner uh, would like to speed up to catch the vessel's next business. So in the short term, some shipping capacity will be soaked up by these lower speeds, uh, which should be good for the market. In the medium term, more new buildings will be required, but the positive is that these will be EDI phase two, three, or even EDI phase four vessels, which will indeed be uh, very uh, economical and uh, uh, good for the environment. Now, another thing which is being discussed at IMO is the carbon intensity indicator or CII. And this may work for the liner sector, but will not be effective in the bulk and tramp sector as the time charterer will continue to make all the operational decisions. So CII's or these indicators have to be sector specific. CII's in the tramp sector have not been fully discussed at IMO and cannot be considered to be a done deal yet. Ultimately, the consumer will pay for the fact that the bulk tramp fleet is not operating at its optimum commercial point, taking into account freight rates, fuel prices, etc. cetera. Um, that means in a sort of profit maximization uh, mode, but the fleet will be operating at a point closer to greenhouse gas reduction optimization, where technical elements such as EEXI and perhaps a practical CII will introduce some distortions. Some exporters of perishable cargoes, i.e. fruit in containers over long distances, Trans-Pacific, will have to make changes in their logistic chains, and these may be costly. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Dimitri. And uh, uh, Harry, could I ask you uh, first of all if you could, if you could give uh, the view. Uh, Dimitri gave us the view from the uh, from the uh, uh, the dry sector and how the existing uh, dry sector will be affected. Could you make a small comment on uh, the uh, your sector and how this will? Uh, uh, will be affected from existing, from measures on existing ships. Uh, and could you also uh, take uh, forward what you have mentioned in, the, in, in your initial comment on the question, how ready we are on the technology? So is our technology readiness level, uh, you think, sufficiently? I, I think your answer is no, but I, I would like to 
to take this a little bit forward uh, and further with regard to energy sources, the distribution and storage, not only so, so not only the ship itself, but the general technology environment involved uh, in this new uh, way of moving to decarbonization? Yes, of course, the answer is no. Uh, it's important, for example, to note that the MERSC, which is a company that has done a lot of research in this uh, field, uh, the um, uh, COO, Mr. Soren Toft, has said that basically the problem is not the when we have found the energy source, the problem is not the modification on the ship. This is uh, basically not very difficult to do. The big problem is the, the land, the infrastructure on the land. Um, we have not yet found a feasible and economic solution to produce and distribute substantial energy sources on a global scale. Uh, we need to have, he said, that we need to have a commercially viable carbon neutral ship ready in 11 years from now. 11 years from now, and we are still where we are. So there is a substantial work uh, to do. Now, to be a bit more specific, because as I said in the beginning, in, uh, when we started this panel, that the main energy sources that at least today seem to be fighting for, uh, for this position is uh, ammonia and hydrogen. Uh, I'm not a technical person, but I have done a bit of research myself. Uh, ammonia, the, its energy density, that is one of the problems, is that it is <clears throat> a T18 MJ per kilo, which is lower than today's marine fuels and lower than uh, 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 LNG and LPG. So ammonia has low energy density. The advantage, though, of ammonia is that it can be stored at the higher temperatures uh, in liquid form under atmospheric pressure, and it's mildly uh, cryogenic. So you have, as I said before, uh, plus and minuses. Also, the flammability of ammonia is uh, limited. Uh, this also is a, a blessing and a problem because it's more to ignite it by uh, pilot fuels. Um, the advantage of ammonia, on the other hand, is that it contains no carbon, except, of course, from the pilot fuel for the combustion. Uh, the pilot fuel proportion may be as high as 20%. I'm sure this is something that a lot of people do not know. Uh, uh, so ammonia is not so flammable, but on the other hand, it's very toxic and uh, corrosive. Uh, now, moving to hydrogen. Uh, the study suggests that volume requirements of either pressurized gas or liquid hydrogen are not uh, sufficiently high to be considered infeasible. One hurdle for uh, hydrogen is the very high price of the fuel. Um, however, due to the uh, development of electrolysis uh, technology and decreasing cost of renewable power, 
then it's possible that hydrogen could be available commercially at a competitive uh, price in the next uh, four years. It's not too far away. Um, comparing it with uh, ammonia, uh, ammonia uh, is a fuel that needs less space for the same energy content and at current uh, market prices are more competitive. Uh, many people were talking about methanol. Uh, methanol seems to share the same characteristics uh, as ammonia, but the combustion still produces a lot of carbo carbon emissions, so it's considered a less desirable option. So this is a brief summary of the energy sources that we've been looking at, but as I said, we are still in a very preliminary stage. Mm. And to be honest with you, I said it before, when you or I or the public go to buy a new car that uh, uh, should follow the uh, EU or uh, global regulations, is not the responsibility of the buyer of the car. It's the responsibility of the manufacturer of the car. So when you, when you buy a brand new uh, BMW or whatever you buy, it's the obligation and responsibility of the seller. Here, why the, the focus is on the ship owners? I don't get it. The focus should be on the engine makers and the builders who should buy a finished product that can follow these very strict environmental regulations, especially when you pay such a, such a big price with no clear, uh, no clear uh, way in the future. Yeah, it's very, very clear and uh, very clear what you say. You mentioned, um, uh, I, I heard words like flammability, uh, like uh, cryogenic, uh, and uh, I, would, I would like to take uh, the focus, as you said now, uh, to another uh, part of the, of the scene that sometimes I'm terrified that we forget it. And uh, I, I want to ask Polly, um, the ships are, being, are, are run by people, by crew. Uh, and the, the crew is already, uh, I think, overloaded. Uh, they are getting to the duty to comply with more and more new things. Uh, they need training, they need uh, to, to absorb, understand, and implement things in a safe manner. So how all this effort is, is in good alignment with the crew side and uh, with the safety aspect of uh, the, the crew actions? And when I say safety, I also refer both, I refer both to, the, to the vessel and to themselves. Yes, uh, I think the crew the crew will uh, adapt last to the to the changes uh, simply because they are remote and they are not they are not the uh, they are not uh, there uh, to be trained in the offices of a ship owner who also the ship owner needs to be trained himself to understand what is the next fuel gonna be for the next uh, ten years. So the crew, the crew, uh, we saw recently that uh, uh, the treatment of our crew in various ports around the world has been uh, 
hypocritical and and uh, and very and very uh, inhuman. We had crew members on board ships for more than 12 months or 15 months in recent months that we couldn't get uh, back to their homes unless the ship uh, deviated and went to their homeland to change the crew. Not only we paid the cost for it, and we had to 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 make uh, to make uh, financial sacrifices, uh, but we faced the so-called uh, partners we have in the business. We faced claims and criticism for making deviation to get the crew out of the ship. Now, if I, I'm going to go to them and start making a discussion about the new, the new fuel for the next 10 years or the next 20 years and try to educate them and try to train them, the least thing that they will be interested is to hear these uh, stories at the time when they have to face all this uncertainty in places even like China that we take 60% uh, of our business to China we are not allowed to change uh, a single crew member and I mean we should not expect that the crew would be there to at this stage at this stage during the pandemic to, to be able to be educated in any other form of what or of what or is going on now. Even ship owners, we are, we are behind the curve because it's happening very fast at a very difficult time. We need more time. We are in favor of changes. Of course, we have to, to make it happen by 2030, but we don't want to see abrupt changes in the next six months when I mean we we don't we cannot as I said before we cannot even visit our crew members or visit our ships. Uh, thank you, Polia. Semiram is um, taking the discussion from crew uh, that we just uh, had. Um, your your Helmepa hat has to do a, a lot with uh, with crew as well, and um, we have discussed before the, the, the technology readiness level, we, are also, we also have the concept of community readiness level, how the community uh, receives and gets delivered the, the various societ societal benefits and sustainability impact, uh, but also how we can uh, ensure and what do you think that also Helmepa would have to pay, play a, a role in this safety discussion and crew discussion? Yes, let me just uh, say very quickly that I concur with uh, Polis Hadjuano concerns about the crew. Uh, we have left, uh, we have been left all by ourselves to deal with uh, serious issues like mental he health issues of our crew members, and we have found very little support from uh, uh, other parties. And it's, um, I'm not sure how that plays in with the concept of sustainability we were talking about and. Uh, uh, you know, ethical awareness and uh, looking out for uh, people that work for us. But having said that, let me just say that uh, for those that don't know Helmepa, it's the Hellenic Marine Environment Protection Association. It's a nonprofit organization which was founded back in the 80s uh, with a pioneering vision and commitment 
to promote safety of life at sea and to safeguard the seas from uh, ship-generated pollution. Uh, as uh, new greener technologies are being introduced, as uh, Haris Mafias mentioned, and new fuels are being examined for the decarbonization of shipping, uh, it is the human element at the end of the day that will be called to implement these solutions, these uh, changes. Uh, I cannot think of a better institution than Helmepa to help train, educate, mo motivate the shipping industry through its uh, voluntary training programs and activities that promote social responsibility and uh, uh, environmental awareness. The vision of our founders uh, that uh, was very pioneering and forward-looking uh, at the time is today extremely topical. We will continue to educate, train and motivate our uh, community on the new technologies, regulations and IMO directives. And we will continue to promote environmental awareness and safety at sea. We will continue to educate young and not so young people towards a more sustainable uh, industry. Helmepa can and will play a vital role in uniting the whole industry, all its stakeholders in synergy in order to achieve uh, decarbonization. Thank you, thank you, Samir, and we will support this. Uh, as we are moving towards the, the end of this uh, session, uh, could I ask uh, each of you to, to make just a 30 seconds closing uh, statement uh, that can capture your, your philosophy on the subject, Harry? Harry, we cannot hear you. I was quite precise. Uh, our philosophy is we want a greener future. We want the transition to greener fuels. But is this a job that has to be done seriously with the right steps uh, and from the people that uh, are indeed involved in the manufacturing and, and designing new ships? which are the uh, yards and the engine builders and not the ship owners who are just the customers in the end of the day. Very clear. Pauli? You, you are mute, Pauli. I think that uh, all uh, players in the market uh, has to contribute uh, into this greener uh, future. Ship owners, we know we will pay a big part of the bill, but it cannot be only ship owners. Charters must come into play. The end user must come into play. Owners, uh, I think we faced a very big cost uh, with the sulfur emissions uh, change uh, last year when we handled, uh, we handled the changeover period with very immature way and uh, accusing each other of what we would do or not we would not do. This made a lot of damage in the, in the, in the sector. Uh, both for owners who elected to put scrubbers and for owners who elected to stay with the new fuel, the VLSFO. What I know is that uh, all the costs fell on the shoulders of owners, the banker suppliers, the, the, the people who, uh, uh, who provide the bankers, uh, they made the changeover of the fuel at our expense and at our cost. They are still laughing about it, the way we handled the case. It's not only the scrubbers, uh, the cost of the scrubbers, it's also the owners who put the VLSFO. All the change happened in uh, November, December, January. We, we filled in our ships with uh, 
VLSFO at $650 a ton. If we take an average of 1,000 tons per ship put on, on, on each vessel, it costs us around uh, $300 to $400 more than what the fuel is worth today. This happened at the time. We all paid the penalty. We all paid maybe a company of 50 ships paid uh, $15, $20 million to make the changeover of the fuel. The charters did not pay a cent. The fuel makers did not pay a cent. So this is unacceptable again to start discussions that the owners will be facing the bill. The bill must go into many parties if we really want to protect the environment. Thank you. Thank you, Pauli. Dimitri? Yes, Theodosi, thank you. I, I can only but concur with Harry and with uh, Polish. Uh, our uh, industry, our industry, the Trump industry, it, it lives and dies on efficiency and therefore efficiency is directly linked to greenhouse gas reduction. So in our industry, the most economical vessel, the vessel with the least emissions is the vessel that gets the business. This is the model of our industry. Uh, we must not underemphasize what we have achieved so far in terms of uh, greenhouse gas emissions reduction. We have made huge strides uh, and we have made strides far ahead of other industries, whether you call whether it's the airlines or whether it's the automotive sector or whether it's the uh, train sector. Uh, we have made huge strides um, and we are always striving for efficiency every single day. However, we have to move into the future and we are going to keep improving but we can improve only in conjunction with fuel suppliers, engine builders, shipbuilders, charterers, and everybody working together. This is in incredibly important that we all work together and we all create the right pathways for each sector in our industry. And I, and I stress the sectorization in order to achieve the, uh, and exceed the emissions goals. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dimitri. And uh, Semiramis, and you, you can quickly, have the closing statement. Very quickly, because I know we're being pressured by with mm -hmm. time. I agree with all the people that uh, Polis, Haris, and uh, Dimitris who uh, said what they said. And I think the next 10 years will be transformational for the industry. So look out for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let me say that uh, we have a, a number of questions that we cannot uh, uh, answer due to time, but I very much encourage everybody to join the, the chat room of Capital Link, where we can uh, answer to uh, questions that uh, the audience have and uh, we can take the conversation there. Thank you very much for your participation and uh, your comments. And uh, very much looking forward to see you face to face when this COVID situation uh, comes to an end. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you to everybody for another terrific discussion. Thank you.